Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about Saturn in Aquarius 2. We're going to take a little bit of a different approach with Saturn than we have with some of the other decanic videos that I've done on this channel. We're going to take a look today at the synodic cycle of Saturn and uh, look at how Saturn moves in relationship to the sun and the phases that it goes through uh, as a planet through the course of its kind of you know, motion over the course of a year or so. And uh, we'll try to glean some meaning from that. We're going to talk about today, we're going to be talking about the morning star phase of Saturn. So we're going to go from the, you know, the beginning of the synodic cycle when Saturn conjoined the sun up until the, the retrograde motion that's going to be happening in May. So we'll talk roughly from the beginning of January here. Uh, and, and look back on some of the Saturn significations we've already experienced throughout the year, and then move forward through, uh, through the end of May or so. All right, so I hope that you're doing well out there. Uh, we'll see how it goes today with this kind of new approach to what we're doing. Um, what I would like to do first is I would like to read you an excerpt from this wonderful book, The Classical Seven Planets, Source, Texts, and Meanings by Charles Obert. This book was suggested to me by my astrology teacher, Achuta Bhava Das, and it really does consolidate all these really great quotes from various uh, traditional authors. And Mr. Obert himself has some very um, poignant uh, summaries of the planets themselves, and I thought that I would read some of his thoughts for you on Saturn to get us started. So he talks about Saturn's place in the traditional cosmos. Now, Mr. Obert also has a book on Saturn that I don't have, but um, I've heard very, very good things about. So he seems to be quite an expert on this planet in particular. And he says, Saturn is a border planet at the edge of time and eternity, the unmoving and the moving. You have Saturn as borders, walls, structures, edges, containers, and skin. Saturn on the edge of eternity also is the mediator of the eternal law and order of the heavens down into the mutable world. This is Saturn as judgment, related to the modern notion of karma, but also Saturn as wisdom, meaning knowledge, understanding of those laws, combine law plus age, and you get the wisdom of age. Saturn as the outermost planet is very much the planet of entire cycles, and the wisdom that comes from knowledge of the entire cycles. As border or gateway between moving and unmoving, time and eternity, Saturn is death. And as Bonatti pointed out, Saturn marks both the entry into time and the exit from time. This relates Saturn to the after-death reckoning, the judgment where our lives are measured over against the eternal law. Saturn also comes to represent time itself, the overall process, and thus overall cycles and the consequences of the passage of time. Okay, interesting. He goes on to talk about Saturn being cold and damp, which, which talks about some of the associations with decay, rotting, disease that we see with traditional Saturn significations. Uh, Saturn is a, a malefic planet that is trying to you know, it's almost the antithesis of life. We can see in the Thema Mundi, the, the metaphorical natal chart of the world, that um, Saturn is in opposition to the light. So a lot of its significations come from this kind of opposing viewpoint where, 
You know, we may feel we are in exile. We are at odds with something. Uh, this has a lot to do with Saturn. Um, there is some other, some other things that I like to think about with Saturn in regards to its role as the planet of Nemesis. Nemesis in Greek mythology being the, the goddess that was restoring right proportion and equilibrium, sometimes through punishment, sometimes through some difficult and challenging experiences, maybe through the, the modern notion that we have of contraction right? So we'll be talking a little bit about that. Remember, Saturn is exalted in the sign of Libra, the point of equal equilibrium. So it is at its best in that sign. And I think here in Aquarius, we are looking at a an area of the zodiac where we are trying to establish some new ideas, some new laws, but we're trying to leave something behind. We're trying to get to to that point of balance, to that equilibrium, to that exalted Saturnian place through eliminating like maybe some old belief systems. Saturn went through Capricorn and started eliminating some old material structures in Capricorn. And now it's starting to reject and eliminate some old outdated ideas in the sign of Aquarius. And I think that we've been seeing this quite um, significantly as we've moved through 2020 and into 2021. Um, we, of course, just experienced the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction at the winter solstice of 2020, which was a really important chapter marker for the course of humanity that is called the Great Conjunction. So we are trying to, to bring forth a new way of organizing society by that conjunction happening within air signs. Um, and that is one of the markers of like the ages, I guess you could say. Uh, because we had Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions that were happening in the element of Earth for quite a long time, uh, albeit one particular, um, you know, standout in the early 80s when Jupiter and Saturn came together in Libra. So beyond that anomaly, um, we've had an, an Earth age that we've been living through for the past few hundred years, and now we are moving into an air age. This is how traditional astrologers think of things like uh, what what a modern astrologer would think of as the age of Aquarius, which is there's definitely debate about that, um, and it is a that is a relatively new construct, maybe in the last hundred years or so. But ancient astrologers would look at these these astrological ages through uh, Saturn Jupiter conjunctions in different elements. So, any way you slice it, we're going and experiencing something very new, and we're going through quite a, a transitionary phase over the course of human history right now. And um, it's both exciting, it's, it's a little nerve wracking, uh, it is challenging, it's all of those things put together. So we'll try to navigate it the best that we can and we will kind of unpack the Aquarius story here a little bit. I did wanna show you the tarot cards associated with Aquarius so that we can kind of see where we've begun with this synodic cycle of Saturn and where we may be going with it. Okay, so we start off with the Five of Swords, and in it we are seeing a conflict and a defeat. And um, there is a winner, a smug winner, and then maybe somebody who is going off into, the, into exile, potentially even an intentional exile. So we may have had some kind of conflict that I will show you in the chart, and I'll connect a very important date to what that conflict potentially could have been. Uh, and eventually... After we move through this first decan uh, and establish what we need to move away from, 
we're going to see a actual kind of transition point, which is what we're experiencing with Saturn in this second decan right now. We're in we're into the transitionary phase. Eventually, we'll get to the seven of swords, where we will be leaving the past behind completely and uh, moving off into the unknown, you know, leaving behind that maybe the, the old earth age type of thinking um, for this new air kind of experience that we have gotten a taste of over the last couple years here, but probably haven't fully integrated into either our thought process or into life itself or into the fabric of society. So again, we have some kind of conflict that shows us uh, something that needs to be left behind. The transitionary phase where we are crossing a great river of consciousness into something new, but we're still kind of an intermediary between the two existences. And then eventually we'll be leaving that behind completely and moving into some kind of new experience. All right. So one of the things I wanted to show you is I want to show you my chart here. And I want to share with you the synodic cycle of Saturn. Now, I did some research today in the last couple of days here. I leaned very heavily on this book, Ancient Astrology in Theory and Practice by Demetra George, a really great book uh, that, that is very good at describing the synodic cycles of both the superior and the inferior planets. Now, those are fancy words for planets that appear to have an orbit outside the sun uh, in Chaldean order and have an orbit inside the sun. So the superior planets are the ones that are very slow moving. Okay, so we'll put the superior planets over here. And those planets are Mars, okay, Jupiter, and our buddy Saturn, okay. And in traditional astrology, these planets were had a little bit more to do with kind of society at large. The further away a planet was from the Earth, the less, I guess, the less personal it, it was thought of. Okay, the inferior planets, the ones that are inside that Chaldean orbit of the sun are, we've got Venus, okay, Mercury, And the moon, right? The moon's kind of its own thing. So when we're thinking about these synodic cycles, generally we're talking about the transits of Venus and Mercury. Okay. So this is, there is a different synodic cycle or a different relationship that Mercury and Venus have with the sun than Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars do. And um, we, we can talk about the, the, synodic cycle of Venus and Mercury in perhaps a different video, but the, the gist of that is that those two planets don't get very far away from the sun. Both of them don't get more than maybe two, two signs away from the sun. So they're always kind of traveling along with the king. And that is, that is one of the ways that I'm going to unpack um, some of the, the kind of transits that we have to Saturn. I'm going to talk about the relationship between the Sun, Venus, and Mercury with Saturn over the course of these transits. But first, what I want to do is just show you what Saturn is doing. All right, so I've eliminated all the other planets and all the other stuff on this chart so that you can see Saturn and the Sun together so that we can you know, be very clear about it. 
And if you can see the date on the screen here, I went back to January 6th, which was a pretty important date uh, in the course of our collective American history and maybe the history of the world, I don't know, but um, it was definitely a pivotal moment for us here in this country. And over the course of my research, I found some pretty pretty interesting synchronicities with the, the Saturn cycle and what we were experiencing as a collective here in America as far as our political landscape has, has shaken out. Remember, Saturn is kind of a, a planet that has to do with collective values and, and politics really represents collective values on, in a certain degree. So of course, January 6th was the date that we had uh, the, the insurrection at the Capitol, the, the Capitol riots, um, where a number of people in America stormed, stormed the Capitol and created a lot of chaos and, and civil unrest. Now, one of the things that we see on January 6th is this is the moment that Saturn began what is called the lying hidden phase. Okay, the lying hidden phase. So we have this uh, kind of phase here where we have Saturn coming into a conjunction with the sun. Now that happens, okay, uh, right at about, um, well, it happens right when the sun and Saturn are exactly conjunct one another, but this is before that phase. This is another type of beginning of that phase, which is called the, uh, this is the heliacal setting of Saturn. So what that means is that right now, before Saturn comes into the conjunction, Saturn is in its evening star phase, okay? It, it rises after the sun. And in some cases, it will still be visible in the, in the western sky as the sun sets, now, what we're looking at here is the moment that Saturn comes underneath the beams of the sun, which, is, which means that it, it is in within a 15-degree um, arc of the sun. And what happens is, this, is Saturn disappears under the beams. So in traditional astrology, visibility was a really important concept for understanding how effective a planet was going to be, whether there was going to be um, something important happening. Uh, and in these, these moments of phasis, that's what, that's what this moment here is called. When, when a planet either goes under the beams at this 15 degree mark or comes out of the beams and becomes visible again when it escapes 15 degrees of the sun, those are the heliacal risings and the heliacal settings of a planet. So what we were experiencing on January 6th was an ending of a cycle, the beginning of the end of a cycle. Okay, so we saw Saturn making a, a, a condition of phasis, the last appearance before it went under the beams of the sun. And of course, we had this really important event where we had almost the opposite of Saturn happening. We had chaos. We didn't have order at all. We had the lack of order. And, um, you know, this, this was the beginning. This was the impetus for somewhat of a new structure to be taking place. It was the ending of an old presidency. It was an ending of an old um, political party being in power. 
and the the beginning of a shift and a transition to a new political party being in power, a new president taking over, and maybe a new uh, way of organizing society with a Congress having uh, a new majority um, and maybe a new ability for organizing the way that we have our social agreements in, in a different fashion, uh, moving you know from this kind of organization that we've seen from the Donald Trump years into kind of the, the Joe Biden years that we are heading into now. So I, that to me was really quite, quite fascinating because I was thinking about this and I, I first went back and looked at the Saturn-Sun conjunction and uh, that was around the 23rd. Okay, so that was around the inauguration day. And that made me start to think about, oh, this condition of Phasis, maybe something was happening around the, the um, Capitol riot. And sure enough, there was Saturn right there at that evening star uh, heliacal setting. Okay, so I'm going to get rid of that for a minute here. So that time frame in between the heliacal setting and the heliacal rising is called the lying hidden phase. At that point, the planet is moving very fast. So we had we had these new um, structures coming into place very quickly around that period of time, okay. Uh, and this is a uh, this is actually a little bit different with the inferior planets, but we'll get we'll get to that later. Um, so let me move forward in the chart here. Uh, so this heliacal setting was a was a condition of Phasis, an omen that was speaking very loudly, and as we see Saturn coming into a conjunction. Okay, we're going to get to uh, the 20th and the right. Okay, so here we see the 20th where the sun changes signs and is now in the same sign as Saturn. That was the inauguration day. And then we have uh, a few days later, the conjunction of the sun and Saturn around the 23rd or the 24th of January. Okay, right after the, the cabinet members had started to become approved, all of the new new. Um, regime was starting to, you know, take over the uh, the power structures of American democracy and things of that nature. Okay, so this is the uh, Kazemi moment for Saturn. This is where it's being reborn in the heart of the sun, and we're seeing that it's reborn at about four degrees of Aquarius, which had to do with that five of swords energy. Okay, and Really, I think the conflict and the defeat we saw that was associated with this tarot card was the capital, the capital riots, the the insurrection itself, and we had to pick up the pieces in the aftermath of that throughout Saturn's journey through um, the first decan of Aquarius. Okay, so as we move forward, I, I wanted to say too, on a personal note, I had a. I went back and looked through my journals to see if if I was experiencing anything like this on a personal level, and of course, uh, I had a was having a conflict with my my daughter around this period of time about some of the rules of the house, and it was it, it led to sort of a a chilly exchange between us for a few days, like in, in Saturnian fashion, right? And um, we had to figure out a new kind of a new arrangement as far as how we were going to structure some of our social agreements within the house itself. So I thought that was really, really interesting to see that this does manifest on a personal level as well as on the collective level as well. So what I want you to do 
go back to uh, January 6th, go back to January 23rd or so and see if there were there was important events in your personal life that you were experiencing around then in the Aquarius ruled area of your chart um, to see what, what we might be experiencing as we move forward throughout this synodic cycle of Saturn. I can tell you right away from my own personal experience, my, my daughter is uh, 17. She's going to be turning 18 at the next uh, Saturn uh, sun conjunction. So this whole synodic cycle for me personally is probably going to be about how do you transition from having a, a child that you are living with to having a, a legal adult that you're living with in your house as your as your as your kid. You know, it's um it's it's a it's a lot to process, let me tell you. And it, you know, it doesn't always go smoothly and you have to figure out kind of what boundaries are you know that you need to enforce and and how to structure your interaction with a young adult versus a, you know, a, a kid or a teenager, or things like that. So um yeah, wish me luck. That's <laughs> what I'll say. No, she's a really good kid and we're, we're going to be fine. It's just a it's it's a really it's just a very interesting time in a parent's life. Um so think about that in your own life as what you're experiencing as far as that goes. Okay. So when we start moving forward and we see Saturn starting to separate, okay, we're going to get to the next part of our synodic cycle. And that happens right around February 9th. Here we see now we're be beginning, we are outside of the lying hidden phase. Remember, we had this lying hidden phase here, you know, that was on either side of the 15 degree um, arc of separation between the sun. The beams of the sun extend out this far in either direction. And we begin with another point of phosphorus, okay, right here. Uh, and Saturn begins its morning star phase. I can think of another personal thing that was, well, before I get to the personal thing, guess what happened on February 9th? Uh, the impeachment trial for Donald Trump started. Uh, you know, the result of some of the actions that were taken at the heliacal setting, okay? We, we saw the kind of beginning of some kind of... Um, I don't know, reckoning in regards to those events. So you could see that they're connected. It's it's pretty incredible, actually, the timing of this to see what is going on in the collective with helical rising and setting. So, you know, obviously we, we saw the results of that and how that played out over time. Um, but I just wanted to make that clear that that is, is what was happening when Saturn emerged from the beams um, as far as like, you know, trying to restore right proportion, which is what Saturn is trying to do. Um, you know, on a personal note, I had, I, I could, I remember this day too, I had a, a little bit of a challenging interaction with a, with a student that I was um, interacting with. And I got a little bit, um, I don't know, I had, we, we had a disagreement on, on a, some values. And uh, we had to kind of talk it out as far as um, what my values were versus their values. And uh, it was it was really interesting. It was really enlightening. And I think that we came to a really nice um, compromise with it. And um, But I thought it was just a continuation of this adjustment period when we're trying to establish some kind of new organizing ideal, right? And remember, this was just, it was a, a challenge around idealism. And um, 
yeah, I think that this is part of what we're going to be seeing with Saturn moving forward is what are your beliefs? What are your organizing structures and, and which, which things do you have to, to let go of? I know as a, you know, talking more about my, my personal journey as a parent, I'm going to have to let go of, uh, the way that I organized my, uh, household on some level, not completely, but there will have to be a transitionary phase. And, and I have to let go of an old belief as far as how I relate to my, my, uh, growing young adult. Right. Um, so think about that. I, I guess that will be the theme for this is we are trying to do that as a collective. We are trying to learn to relate in a different way to society that is more equitable, that is more fair, that takes into account the changes that are happening in our society that we have to make adjustments for. Really, that's what this is. This is adjustment to changes and, and you know, the right answer I've said this before in other uh, videos, and I really want to repeat it. The right answer at one point becomes eventually uh, is no longer the right answer, and we have to make an adjustment. You know, the rules that you set in place for your toddler or for your your young child are no longer appropriate for your teenager or your young adult. Um, and that's 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 true for anything in life. the The right answer eventually becomes the wrong one. It doesn't mean that we're um, that we're bad or anything like that. We don't have to make judgment on it. I think that we just have to be flexible and try to understand the needs of the collective and the needs of the people in our life based on just change itself. So that, that's something I think that I can offer you right away to try to figure out how to navigate this. Okay, so we saw this heliacal rising of Saturn on February the 9th. Okay. So this is going to be the, the, the phase that we're going to be exploring, and we are going to go all the way until, okay, and I'll put the, the other planets in in a minute, but I just wanted to show you that you can see that Saturn is, is getting, uh, is separating from the sun over time, okay, and it is getting further and further away from the sun. It's going through a number of different relationships to the sun. And remember, we said that the planets in these signs don't really move too far away from the sun. So we, we have generally uh, Venus, the sun, and Mercury kind of traveling together. So that can really tell us a lot about the energy that we're going to be experiencing. When we first started the Saturn cycle, we had these planets, these three planets, in aversion to Saturn. So they weren't really able to witness them. And there, there may be some confusion about what we're, what we're doing, how we're going to structure our life. As we move forward into April, all of these planets are going to start moving into a sextile with Saturn. And we're going to be seeing a, a little bit easier movement. We're going to see, um, you know, the desire to take, move, to take action on creating the new structures in life. Because we've gone through this kind of like... I don't know, this dark phase where we are trying to really establish what it is that we really want, what the, what is required of us, I guess, is the, is the key. Um, when all these planets are going through Pisces, that's kind of a search for meaning. And now we want to take action on that meaning, and that's going to you know, involve the relationship with Saturn. As we move forward throughout the uh, experience here, and I'll get rid of that for a minute, um, we are going to see Saturn move into a square, 
with all of the Taurus planets throughout the, you know, kind of the ending point of April. All right, we're going to see the Saturn square, the exact Saturn square happening on May the 3rd, where there, you know, all, a lot of the structures that we're trying to bring into form are going to meet some kind of material challenge. This is where we're going to really experience a test of what we are trying to bring into form. Are, are we going to be able to test our ideals by infusing them into physical form itself? And there's always tension when we're trying to take a, a universal idealistic vision and infuse it into a body. So around May, the beginning of May, we're going to see this tension between uh, the idealism and trying to leave behind the old belief system and how we are, you know, dealing with our, our material reality. And this is really echoed in the Saturn Uranus square as well. And you'll see that when I put the planets back in, we'll go through this again, but I'm just going to show you the, the movement here. Now, once we get the sun's movement close to Gemini, a really interesting thing happens here. We see Saturn starts to move retrograde. So as Saturn is going to get closer to the trine with the sun, it's going to slow down and station and turn retrograde. So this is the beginning of a phase called the acronical phase. This is the throughout the entire retrograde phase of a superior, slower moving planet. We call that the acronical phase. And that is uh, from the, the, the station retrograde to the station direct. Okay, so this throughout the relationship to the sun, and this usually happens around trines. So we're from Saturn's movement through, uh, I'm sorry, through uh, here, it'll be like this. Sorry. So through the sun's movement through Gemini, through Aquarius, I'm sorry, through Libra. Sorry, I'm going a little too fast here. I got to slow down so that I can organize my thoughts. It's Mercury Day with, uh, with, um, Mercury and Pisces. So if it's, we go a little nonlinear, forget, please forgive me. I'm doing the best I can. So we can see here that the sun is going to go through this kind of journey all the way to Libra while Saturn is retrograde. And once the sun hits Libra, we're going to see Saturn start to station direct. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, and that's some that's a that's an easy way to know when a planet's about to go retrograde too is is there an upcoming trine between that that uh, slower moving planet Mars, uh, Saturn or Jupiter and the Sun, okay? And that's when you know a planet's going to turn direct too. Is there an upcoming trine from a retrograde outer planet to the Sun, okay? So that's kind of our the phase we're going to break down here. The you know February 9th, through May the 23rd, um, when Saturn goes retrograde, okay? Uh, one other thing, and I'll do another video for the acronical phase of Saturn. Um, there is just some really interesting things that I'll just preview here for you on that. We do have some really intense stuff with Saturn over the course of the summer. There's going to be an opposition between uh, Mercury and the Sun around August. Um, we're going to have, I believe, a Mars opposition with Saturn as well. Um, That'll be a little, that might be a little rough. Um, we have this kind of condition in August when the sun is in opposition to Saturn called the curtailed passage phase. 
And that's when on either side, about seven and a half degrees of either side of the opposition from the sun to Saturn, Saturn kind of disappears. So this is another point where Saturn becomes invisible in the sky. Uh, and that is a time where, you know, we might be going behind the scenes a little bit and figuring out what, what we're going to do next. Okay. And what, what, um, what is going to be happening in our Saturnian organizational structures. So we'll, we'll get into that more in the next video uh, in May, in late May. But eventually, if you want to just kind of see what this is going to do, eventually Saturn is going to, I'll show you this. I'll just take you through it real quickly because I think it's neat. I'm excited. So you can see here as we get to the summer, we've got that opposition that's going to be happening Let's do it with weeks here. We can go a little quicker. Okay. There's our opposition. There's our chronicle phase where Saturn is going to be kind of disappeared again, and it's going to be invisible again. It's going to emerge around this period of time, around August 9th. So we may see, we may go through a really challenging time and then be able to emerge with some kind of new, uh, you know, understanding. And then eventually as we get closer to Libra right here, Saturn is going to go direct. See, there's Saturn direct in the trine. Okay. And that's when Saturn enters into its um, evening star phase. And I say that because now when the sun is setting, you'll be able to see, I'll put Saturn on the, I'll put the sun at the descendant here. Okay. When, when the sun is setting, you're able to see Saturn in the sky. So that is the evening star Saturn. And that'll probably be a little bit more difficult uh, period for Saturn because Saturn prefers to be in the diurnal sect in in the relationship with the sun because it sort of mitigates some of the the more challenging aspects the cold aspects of Saturn the cold and damp aspects of it according to Mr. Obert um, it kind of warms it up it dries it out a little bit it when it is in the morning star phase. So here we are seeing the establishment of new rules throughout the first part of the year. There's probably going to be some challenges to those new structures towards the end of the year. And there may be some more difficulty around that period of time because Saturn will be in the evening star phase where it is, is not as happy, where we may experience more of the feelings of exile, the feelings of depression, the feelings of, I don't know, some, sometimes some dark hopelessness, that kind of stuff where we're, you know, it's difficult leaving things behind, you know. Um, right now, we're, we're kind of excited about leaving the past behind, and um, eventually, there may be some painful things that are not as rooted in hope, I guess, um, and I don't mean to bum me out about that. There will always be a little, you know, kernel of hope, but I just wanted to show you that, because, and eventually, let's finish off the phase here. Eventually, Saturn is going to come into a conjunction with the sun again. It'll enter into this kind of... Uh, lying hidden phase around here. Okay. This is, <laughs> this is my daughter's birthday. It, it exactly goes into the lying hidden phase on my daughter's birthday. Um, so wish me luck on that. And then it'll again, come into the um, conjunction with the sun to, to begin a whole new, a whole new phase and a whole new Saturn cycle, synodic cycle. Okay. So that's what we've got uh, going on for Saturn uh, and its journey in relationship to the sun. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to add back in all the stuff so that you can see what, what we're dealing with here. Um, 
from uh, this kind of perspective here. So here's, here's something to consider. Now we are back to the current day, St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. If you're listening to this today, uh, if you're recovering the day after, a few days after, uh, you did it to yourself. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, so yeah, I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big uh, I'm not a big drinker. So I will be uh, whatever hangover I'll have. It'll be just from maybe studying too much or too much corned beef and cabbage or something like that. I do like to eat, so I'm not immune to to overdoing it in some way, but. Hopefully there will be some Saturnian, uh, you know, I don't know, discipline involved. All right. So here's what we're going to do now. What I wanted to do is I just wanted to show you some of the outer planets that we're looking at and breaking this down. Um, trying to pack a lot of information into a, a shorter video. So hopefully you're following along okay. If you have questions, feel free to leave a comment in the comment section or send me an email, spencermichelleastrology at gmail.com. I'm, I'm happy to engage with any questions like that. Um, I, I love teaching and I, I will always be happy to clear up anything that is confusing in these videos as well. So uh, reach out if you're, if you're struggling with these concepts. It does take a little bit to kind of fully grasp it. So what we're seeing here though is... Uh, the big thing, the big outer planet transit that it will define much of um, 2021 is a square with Uranus, a Saturn square with Uranus. We did all already hit one of these on February the 17th. We will have another one on the 14th of June uh, when Saturn is retrograde, and then we'll have a direct square again on Christmas Eve, which is the 24th of December. And this, the interaction that we're kind of experiencing here is, you know, trying to leave the past behind. And trying to shake up the way that we distribute uh, resources. Um, maybe our currency is getting some shakeups as well. I know that we've had a lot of stuff going on with Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. We've had a lot of talk about how to distribute wealth in this country. We've had a lot of talk of stimulus and how we're going to keep an economy afloat after the challenges of COVID and things of that nature. Um, there's been a lot of talk about student loan forgiveness, things like that. We're seeing some challenges with, I think, climate change as well. That is part of this equation. Uh, so there is kind of something new that wants to be born. And there is the old guard that we have here with Saturn. So the, the tension between shaking up our material structures and trying to bring an equilibrium back to the um, way that we organize society by consolidating and by letting go of of old belief systems is going to be the tension that we have throughout most of 2021. Okay. So um, that this may lead to some periods of order and some periods of chaos, right? There's, that is some of the things that we can see moving forward is this tension between, you know, those two types of archetypes. All right. So that's what we've got with that. Um, the other thing that we are, we, t we will tend to take a look at from a more, you know, bird's eye view is we will look at the relationship between um, Saturn and Mars. So as of this recording, Saturn is in a trine with Mars and is moving into an exact trine with Mars. That's going to be happening shortly, um, probably in the second decade. Around, I think it's going to be happening around 11 degrees 
of Gemini and uh, Aquarius, respectively. We can look. Let's figure it out. Yeah, at 10 degrees. So here we go. The, the exact hit with that is going to be at 10 degrees of Gemini and Aquarius. Now, one of the things that that was going on in the beginning of the year is we had a, we had Mars and Taurus for the beginning of the year, and we had a square between these two planets. So this these the combination of these two planets, especially when Saturn is in the overcoming position, all right, when it has the upper hand or is on the right side of center, if we're looking out from center, uh, this is Saturn putting the brakes on Mars. Mars is our desire to move forward, our desire to take action. Uh, it wants to speed things up where Saturn is kind of, you know, saying, hey, let's take the long view. Let's let's, you know, take actions that will endure the 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 test of time. Of course, it was associated with time itself. Right. And um, we are looking at Mars moving through a, an area of the zodiac where a choice has to be made, where we we Saturn is is. Uh, encouraging us to take the big picture view, the long-term view. Uh, it is encouraging us to cleanse some of the old belief systems. Remember, the Aquarius is the water pourer. It's pouring out sweet water instead of um, ocean water, salty water. Okay, It was purified water. And there is some associations with Aquarius with, uh, you know, the cupbearer to Zeus, like being ascending to Olympus. But also there's some associations with the story of Hercules and him cleansing the Aegean stables that had become so dirty over thousands of years of neglect. So I, I like to think also of that Herculean story of him diverting, literally diverting a river to clean, you know, all the all the shit <laughs> out of out of the the stable. And this is kind of what we're doing with society right now, is we're cleaning all the you know, the built up gunk over, you know, maybe from neglect over the last few, you know, decades or so. And it's, I think that we have to kind of, what I like to do is I like to think about it just as a natural part of the process. I think that we can get a little off track when we start to get really angry and upset about these things. I think that our anger and our upset, upsetness, like our martial energy, can spur action and movement. So if it's there, there is a place for righteous indignation. I think, but I think that if we just look at it as a as just a necessary thing that we have to go through without maybe pointing fingers so much, and accepting that it's just part of the natural cycle to to make a shift in the way that we organize society, that can save a lot of of headache that can save a lot of stress and make no mistake. I'm 100% for, you know, creating um, more fairness, equilibrium and balance between the haves and the have nots between the, the selected few and the, the popular, the popular masses. I'm, I'm all about that. I am here for it. Um, and that has to do with like, you know, fairness for, you know, interaction between different demographics of society as well. Uh, and, you know, just social justice when it comes to policing and things of that nature. I am I'm all about it. I'm ready for it. I, I think it is long overdue. Um, but that's just part of the changes that are necessary to, to clean out some of the old belief systems to move forward to a more equitable, balanced equilibrium, right? That's the key of fairness. I, I think that that 
is a word I'm going to accentuate and keep keep pushing the button of with Saturn fairness. I really think that fairness is is part of Saturn's ultimate uh, desire to bring back fairness because of that exaltation in Libra, right? Okay. So with this uh, Saturn's Mars trine now, we may have felt stuck when Mars was uh, squared Mars, or where Saturn was squared Mars, sorry. Uh, but now we're able to move forward a little bit, but we have to make a choice. And Saturn is going to slow us down and ha have us take the, the 360 you know, degree view of our entire life. And then that will hopefully lead to us being able to say, this stays and this goes. The challenge with Mars and Gemini is that we feel a little bit upset because we are trying to explore too many paths at the same time. And if you're familiar with that mythology of Gemini, one of those twins had to give up something or his immortality so that his, his slain brother could, could live half the time on Olympus. So really, the, I think that when we see the journey of Gemini, it's coming into awareness of duality, coming into awareness of all the different directions we could head, and ultimately making a choice. So Saturn should be helping us to make a choice, to move forward with what we want to move forward with in our life. This is also coinciding with the spring equinox where we're having to make a new start. You know, Venus, the sun, and eventually Mercury will all move into Aries and that we're, it's going to be kind of all systems go to a certain degree, okay? Um, but we have to leave something behind. You can't do everything and it, it's not a failure just because you can't do everything, okay? All right, so that's what we're seeing with Mars and Saturn. The other thing that we are looking at just briefly is that, you know, Saturn is traveling with Jupiter, all right? And that is Jupiter is helping to bring um, good fortune to some of these changes that we are trying to make with the Saturnian contractions. We're, we may, you know, be honored for some of these social contracts that we are trying to, to, to bring. We may be bringing abundance and bringing order to the, the exiled, to the fringes of society. We may be, you know, really trying to bring, uh, you know, a new way of doing things that will be of benefit in, in an unorthodox way. One of the things I think that you can think about Aquarius is that it's kind of taking the action, whether you get the credit for it or not, right? Saturn is, isn't in it for the applause. This is, that's the sun, right? That's the sun in Leo is, is how can we do this so that we can please people? How can we shine our light and create vitality and to, to like, you know, get the applause from the audience? Saturn's like, I don't, I don't care about any of that. I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to restore right proportion and whether you like it or not, you know, and, and I think that um, one of the key things to think about with this Saturn cycle and this Jupiter cycle is there's going to be things that you're going to have to do that you may not see the immediate rewards for. And it may be a little bit frustrating because you want to see a material manifestation of all the hard work that you've been putting in. You want to see, you want to get credit for that work. You want to see the material rewards. You want to see progress. And I think that we have to kind of suck it up a little bit and do, do it anyway. Even if we don't see that material tangible progress, we have to, you know, be guided by our integrity to be able to know that eventually it will bear fruit. Saturn is the planet that gives its gifts over a long period of time. This is not something where you're going to be able to snap your fingers and the change just takes place. Yes, the impetus for that change may, may come with a snap of a finger 
or with one specific event. But over time, to create the lasting change that will create a solid foundation for your life, there's a lot of thankless work that goes into that. And that's something that we'll see in the I Ching reading that we've been, uh, that I, I pulled for you as well. Okay, so we're talking about Jupiter. Jupiter eventually will leave its conjunction or its co-presence with Saturn and move into to, um, Pisces. And, you know, that'll be a big shift in our energetic field as well. I did want to just take you a little bit through sort of some of the dates here. I'm going to split this into different kind of time frames. Uh, we had the kind of aversion phase uh, up until about the spring equinox, where now these planets are going to start moving into a sextile with Saturn. Okay. And eventually we're going to see the transition phase where um, all of these planets are going to be in Aries around the uh, 4th of April. I mean, I feel like we're really going to be hitting the ground running at this point because Mercury is no longer going to be an aversion to Saturn. We're going to have Mercury, the Sun, and uh, Venus all in sextile with both Mars and Saturn and Jupiter. I mean, it's just going to be like, okay, we're ready to roll. We've got the fire. We've got the the action, the impetus to, to be able to act on these ideas. We have air fueling that fire, and we're going to want some movement at this point. So there's probably going to be some movement that's going to be happening through, um, you know, the beginning of April and, and through this April 15th phase when we start to see planets starting to move into square in Taurus. Okay, we have Venus that moves first. You know, the sun will move uh, around the 19th. And then, you know, Mercury is, is moving right around the same time as the sun. So around this period of from the 15th to the 3rd, we have this transitionary period to these planets coming into square. We're really going to test this in material form. Um, we will see the exact square. This may be a difficult period of time. From, from April 19th or so to uh, the end of May, we're going to be kind of we're going to be experiencing some frustration and some friction when it comes to Saturnian things in our life. I want you to take a look at the, the, the Taurus area of your chart and the sat and the Aquarius ruled area of your chart. And I want you to anticipate that there may be some things that are, that feel like they're pulling you into separate directions. And um, the friction and the tension that you feel between these planets ultimately may lead to to action and to moving forward through something. Again, when we have too much harmony between things, sometimes it's a little bit too easy. Think about the tread on a tire as the friction that meets the road. If you have smooth tread on the tire, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. So I think that some of this tension is important. And it may feel difficult in the time at the time, but and it may be a little bit fixed. We may get fixed in our positions. But eventually, it's going to lead to, uh, I think, um, you know, being able to move forward and restructure society or to restructure our lives in a really important way. We will see the exact uh, square between the sun and Saturn around May the 3rd. Okay, so this is a really pivotal moment here, too. We've got the square between the sun and Saturn, where that's a progress report from all of the things that we started around the beginning of January 
and the end of January when we had the conjunction uh, around the 23rd or so, I want you to really look back and check in and see at this time frame, how am I doing? How am I doing on restructuring my social agreements with the people in my life? How, how am I recreating um, my belief system and, and how am I let, how good am I doing at, at letting go of the past and creating the future? Okay. Once we get to the, uh, the middle of May, we're going to start to see Venus and Mercury transitioning out of the square. We may feel a little bit of relief as those planets leave Taurus. And eventually we're going to see the sun move into Gemini around the 20th. And then things start to get a little hairy with Saturn. You can see at that point, Around May 23rd, Saturn goes retrograde. I believe that Mercury moves retrograde shortly after. Yep, there's, there's Mercury's retrograde around May 31st. So we're going to have a, a retrograde of Mercury and Saturn in a trine with one another, you know, causing us to review maybe some of the conflicts that we experienced at the square, maybe you know, trying to really integrate some of the lessons that we've learned over the beginning course of the year. And things may slow down a little bit. We may have to really re-examine some of the structures that we've created in our life and some of the social constructs. This will be happening on a social level. Um, we will also have to be, you know, just rediscussing some of the contracts that we have with the people in our personal lives as well. And, you know, going and, and taking our time and reviewing them, okay? So I will talk more about the retrograde phase when we get to that. Uh, it'll be, it, it's going to be some, it's going to be some tough moments, especially when we get to the end of July, the beginning of August, when there's an opposition between the sun and Mercury. There's a Mercury Kazemi that is exactly opposite Saturn at the end of the summer, you know, that July, August period. Um, but we'll get through it. We'll get through it together. And here is a, uh, here's an I Ching reading for you to help you to get through this time frame. I'm just checking over my notes to see if I missed anything. All right. So the I Ching that I pulled for Saturn's morning star phase was number 35. Okay. Moving to number 20. So I'm going to draw this on the screen for you. This is a trigram that is called fire or light on top of earth. Okay, so this is number 35. Fire or light on top of earth, and it's moving to 20, which is the wind on top of the earth. Okay. So hexagram number 35 is called advancing or progress. So we may really want to advance. We want to make progress. We want a new, want a new social agreements, new social contracts. So this hexagram talks a lot about being given a gift. There was a, a story or a mythological story about um, a, of an important person being gifted uh, horses. And it talks about him not just, you know, resting on his laurels, he, he bred the horses to multiply the gift. So we may be wanting to uh, utilize this opportunity 
to not just be like content with the gift that we've been given, but we're trying to multiply it through through our hard work, through establishing you know a herd of horses rather than just being content with with one of them. Okay, but we have to be careful about how we go about trying to make progress, trying to multiply our horses, right? Um, so this is talking about the light emerging over the earth. And there was some literature that talked about, let's say this is the earth. Here's the sunrise. Okay, so we're, we've got the dawning of a new age, a new air age, a new way of thinking. And it's this emerging light. And it's it's in this very beginning phase. It's emer- this, the, the light is starting to return from being under the earth and from the darkness that we may have been experiencing over the past few years or decades or however you want to think about it. I think we're getting to the point of, I think uh, the end of the earth age really coincides with late stage capitalism too, where we're show- seeing some of the really, the corruption and the extremes that happen when we take that capitalistic viewpoint as far as we can and, and get into a point of excess. And now we're coming and trying to bring balance in as far as like, um, you know, taking care of people rather than just consolidating wealth within a very tiny fraction of society and not just wealth, consolidating rights or like, uh, you know, fair treatment to a tiny portion of society. So we're trying to redistribute and bring balance and bring the light back to that and bring back our, our balance and our equilibrium. Um, there are two changing lines with this hexagram, though, with advancing or progress. Uh, before we get to that, Hillary Barrett asks questions. I always like asking questions because this gives us meditation points to contemplate. It says, what gifts and opportunities have you been given? How can you make the most of them? All right. How can you make the most of the opportunities that you have right now in front of you to recreate yourself over the after the the the, the challenging letting go of the material structures of our life that COVID forced us into. A lot of us have really had to recreate our identities. We've lost jobs. We've lost, lost relationships. We've moved to different locales. Some of us have, um, and we have to start to rebuild our life. So this is, how are you going to rebuild, but based on, you know, connection to a, to an animating spirit that you can sustain over time. Okay. Who you, who do you want to be? Right. And what do you want your society to be? It's not just who do you want to be. It's what do you want your role to be in the collective? Because this is really about cooperating with one another a little bit more, you know, fairly. Okay. So as we see this 35, we see a changing line. Number four, this is number four right here. It says advancing like a long tailed rodent, constancy, danger. So this is like we're pursuing an opportunity opportunity or opportunistic gain like a mouse that is encircling a grain silo, only taking little tiny pieces of grain. And just from our myopic point of view, from our inability to see the bigger picture, we are not understanding that there's this wealth and abundance right next to us. Um and I think that that's, you know, I, I definitely think that at the beginning of something like this, where we are being asked to take a very long range viewpoint, we can get fixated on a stimulus check. We can get fixated on where our rent's coming from tomorrow. We can get fixated on these small things that if we were to, to pull back and get a, a bigger viewpoint, we may understand that there are much bigger changes that we need to enact to be able to create the equilibrium that we're striving for, that we're looking for. 
this is maybe true with things like climate change too, that we aren't going to be able to uh, take half measures if we want to keep um, the earth healthy uh, and, res- and restore balance to the earth's equilibrium. That's, it's not going to work with just little half measures that, that aren't um, taking into consideration the whole you know, you can't piecemeal meal out something like climate change. You have to co- have a big cooperative joint venture um, that will allow really important larger scale changes to take place. So I think that that could be part of what we're looking at here. So this also could be we, we're progressing through questionable means too. So be careful about how you are advancing in your life and, and if you're in alignment with your integrity or not. It's, it encourages you not to think small. This is thinking big. And I don't mean like think big as far as ambition goes. I'm thinking about, think about how the action that you're taking fits into the entire fabric or web of your life. Because the actions that you're being asked to take now are very important as far as establishing your future. All right, line number five says, regrets vanish, letting go, gaining, do not worry. Uh, It says coming, it says, let me see here, my writing is too small. Going on is good, fortune, nothing that does not bear fruit. So they talked about, it says that not everything works out as planned, right? It says not all people are kind, positive, or honorable. You may have some disappointment in your interactions with people. Um, this also speaks to even if we put forth our best efforts, we may not always be rewarded, quote unquote, with appreciation, with material success, with uh, you know acknowledgement that we even did anything. And again, that brings me back to some of the I think the lessons of Aquarius is, you know, it's the exile of the sun. It's opposite the lights. It's not about recognition. It's about uh, a balancing force that is really, Saturn is about darkness. A lot of the times people will do Saturnian activities under the cloak of darkness. These, This is like Batman, man. Batman, I think Batman is Saturnian on some level. And they they chose Christian Bale, an Aquarius son, for that role, and he played it very well. You know, some could argue that he's Mars or something like that, but I definitely think uh, he, vibes, he vibes Saturn in my, <laughs> for me, you know. Um, He's very detached. He's got this kind of cold, like consolidating, like he, he dealt with death very early in his life. And he's trying to restore equilibrium to his community. That, that's Batman right there. So, and what does Batman do? He, he's not the hero that Gotham uh, wants, you know, but it's the one that they need right now. So in your life, you may have to be the hero that somebody needs and you may not get cr- credit for it. You may even be attacked for it. You may even be sent into exile because of your viewpoint and your ability, your your desire to bring equilibrium back into the picture. But you have to do it. You're, you're that silent guardian. You're the you're the dark knight. Okay, you're, you're the one that that if you weren't there, something very corrupt could continue to fester. If you don't take this action to rebalance, you know there's there's all sorts of ills that could that could befall the situation that you're being asked to to um, pay attention to okay so don't do it for the applause don't do it for the rewards do it because it's the right thing to do and get in touch with your inner uh, your inner dark night okay now this changes to the hexagram 20 
which is called seeing. It's called contemplating. It's called viewpoint. All right. This is, this is where we're looking out over the big expansive view. There was a hexagram. This is the wind in the earth where you're able to, to gently understand the landscape. The wind touches every part of the earth, right? And it, it, it doesn't force its way. It just gently comes to an understanding of all the different hills and valleys and trees and lakes and rivers and all of those things. So you need to be able to touch your life like the wind and gently pour, you know, take a viewpoint of it and blow over the, the landscape of your life. There was one translation that compared this to a heron that was viewing the lake. You know, the heron is an opportunistic hunter that, you know, he's looking for the best spot, right? Where is he going to, to hunt the fish? Where is he going to, you know, kind of put down his, his, his roots, right? If he wants to make a nest. So think of yourself as that heron now viewing the lake and seeing all the different landscapes, all the different possibilities and how it all fits together. Okay. Um, the questions that are asked with this hexagram, when you stop searching, what comes into view? If you had no preconceptions, what might you see? So take the long view, stay flexible like the wind as you pass over the terrain. Um, we don't necessarily know what's coming next. And through some of our detachment, okay, which is another Aquarian Saturn uh, signification, you know, we will be able to adjust to circumstances and we will be able to know the right action to take in the right moment if we have an objectivity about our life and not try to, to force our desire and our will upon what wants to happen through, you know, divine order. Okay. Cause I think that really the key with this is a lot of this is bigger than us. It's bigger than our own individual personal desires. And I think when we, when we come in alignment with the, the collective, we're going to know what action to take in the moment so that we don't feel stress. And so I encourage you to do that over the course of this transit, you know, in the moment, decide what you are going to, to do and adjust to the, to the, the vast expanse of your life through your objectivity, through your detachment, through being able to see the big picture, see how you uh, are part of a family, see how you are part of a relationship, see how you are part of your city, your community, the state you live in, the country you live in, the world that you live in, the planet that you inhabit, the galaxy that you are a part of. Take that long view, pull out to the long range view, right? To the wide angle lens. And know that the actions that you take have ripples that, that extend far beyond just, just what is front, in front of your face, like the, like the little mouse searching for grain. Pull back and see that, that big grain silo. Okay. And then we can have enough for everybody, right? All right. I think that's what I've got for you today, folks, for uh, Saturn in the morning star phase, moving mostly through Aquarius 2 and a little bit with Aquarius 1 again. All right. So hope that you're all doing it well out there. Hang in there. Uh, we can get through this together through your discipline through showing up every day and doing the work that is necessary. Um, I think that we'll, we're going to create a society worth being a part of and being proud of, not one that we have to feel like we're ashamed to be a part of sometimes. I think that 
if we take that viewpoint and say, what kind of society are we, you know, excited to be a part of? And what is our role in that new society? Then I think that we'll be on the right track. All right. So that's what I've got for you. If you are enjoying this channel, make sure you're subscribed, hit that like button. Tell me your vision of the society that you would like to see uh, in the comment section. Tell me about any, any challenges or growth periods that you're going through in your own life. I always love hearing how things are going for you. Um, it, make sure that you are uh, hitting that subscribe button uh, to the channel. Turn on the notifications, all those good things. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee or a smoothie or a mate tea at buymeacoffee.com. Um, there is a link to that in this video here that is always very much appreciated. You are buying me the gift of oracular space to be an interpreter of the stars and of the planets for you. All right, everyone. Take care out there. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. Let go of guilt. Uh, embrace the changes that are coming. And um, we'll see you the next time. Peace.